Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Today's scripture reading comes from John 1, 6 through 8. If you would like to use a Bible in the pew, it's on page 886. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the word of God. Good morning again, church, for being here. We're so glad you all are here today. And just as we've been talking about this entire month, we've been going through this idea of the Word became flesh. Now, obviously, we know that's talking about Jesus now, right? We understand Jesus came as we celebrated yesterday during Christmas, came as a baby to live a life we can never live, to die a death on the cross, to sacrifice himself for us so that we could have life. We've talked about in Jesus' life, he's the author of life and he is the restorer of life. Jesus brought light into our darkness and apart from Jesus, we are lost in darkness. We must trust and receive Jesus and the saving work that he did on the cross. For those who trusted in Jesus, we have received the fullness of his grace, as we talked about last week. But what do we do with this information? What do we do with this knowledge? For those who Believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. What do you do with that? Are you stuck in a holding pattern until Christ comes again? We know he's coming back. Do we just, like the apostles in Acts 1, keep looking to the sky, waiting for his return, idly waiting? We may laugh at that. We may think that's kind of foolish. But the reality is we tend to get stuck there. We tend to get stuck waiting, idly doing nothing. Maybe you're like me. You fill up your time with things that are pointless or meaningless, not focused on God. And so we need to realize, do you fill your time up with aimless tasks? For example, for me, it's watching movies or lots of movies or games or daydreaming, working on projects no one asked me to do or really needed to be done. But I was like, hey, I can do that. But should I have? without even thinking, what would God want me to be doing? What should I be doing for his kingdom, for his glory? Or am I just doing things that are more selfish, that pleasures me, fills my time, numbs the mind? But maybe you're not just distracted. Maybe your struggle with doing what God has called you to do is because you're afraid. You're afraid of not being good enough. Like sometimes people think too highly of themselves, but maybe you're in the place where you don't think well of yourself at all. You think too little of yourself. You miss opportunities because you think, I can't do it. You know God is calling you. You know God has provided purpose, direction. You know there's opportunities to bring him glory and further his kingdom, but like me, you chicken out. You see someone that you know you could talk to, you could share his hope with. Like, nah, I don't want to do it, and maybe it'll cause them to stumble. Maybe I won't do it right. And so maybe it's better if I do nothing and I just walk by, because isn't that good? It's better than messing it up. But you know what? It's not. God has called us to be his witnesses. And so today's title might be a little concerning because we are, if I can get there, created to witness. All of us who believe in Jesus. And that can become scary 
Think of the idea that I am called by God, not just called, but created for this purpose, a divine purpose, to go and tell it on the mountain, to go and share what God has shown and told me. First, is God really calling you to be his witnesses? Or is it just the job of the apostles then and pastors now? What does it mean to be a witness? What do you have to do? Who do you really need to talk to or share with? What is the goal of being a witness? Is it so that everyone will believe? What about those who don't listen to you? What about those who reject what you're saying or reject you? What is the purpose? What happens when it doesn't go the way you thought it would? As we look at the passage today, I want you to think about what John the Baptist did. We need to wrestle with our own divine purpose, just like he did. If you are a new creation in Christ, what is God's plan for you while you are waiting on earth for him to call you home? Are we just looking up? Are we just passing time? Or do we have true purpose given to us by God? So let's start with this first question. Who is created by God to be a witness? Well, going back to the passage, verses 6 and 7, God's word said this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Now the phrase, there was, in the Greek it means, or the Greek word is, egoneto, which means came into being. The same word used in verse 3. In verse 3, it talks about how Jesus brought all things into being by his will and his power. And nothing existed apart from him. So this man, John, who's just like us, a human being, he came into being. He was not an accident. He was not a coincidence. But a human being who was designed and created by God for a purpose. Think back to John's birth announcement that was given to Zechariah. In Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, God's word says this, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. See, John was not just a planned a plan person for existence. His whole life was planned and ordered by God from conception. He always had purpose. John was created by God for God. And the phrase, sent from God, the same meaning of Jesus who was sent by the Father. The same exact word, John 3, 16 and 17. I hope many of you probably know it well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send, same word, send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, John, a created human being like you and me, had divine purpose and value and meaning. As you see later in verse 7, his purpose was to be a witness for God. Think about others in Scripture who were witnesses for God. We sang about it. 
the shepherds, upon hearing from the angels that Jesus was born, they go to the manger. They see Jesus. And what do they do? They testify. They worship him, obviously, but they testify and they bear witness about what the angels told them. They share what they were told. And they go and share that in the area. The woman at the well, later in the book of John, you'll see this throughout John, that's the theme, being a witness. But the woman at the well was there midday, and she has an interaction with Jesus. Jesus talks with her, shares with her things that only God can know. And she goes into the town, and she doesn't keep it to herself. What does she do? She bears witness. She goes and says, this, come see this man. He has told me all I've ever done. And they go, and they hear. Why? Because she was a witness. At the end of the book of John, the author of the book, we know as John, son of Zebedee, he says this about himself. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things down. And we know that his testimony is true. See, John, son of Zebedee, wrote the entire book with a purpose. By the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, he was told and wrote these things down to be a witness for future generations, like us, so we can read his testimony and know about Jesus. And the greatest example, talking about witnesses in the Bible, the disciples. The disciples of Jesus, Acts 1, verses 6 to 8. Just before Jesus is about ready to return to heaven, they come with a question. So when they had come together, they asked him, asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love how this passage starts. Notice what Jesus says. This is not your purpose. It is not your purpose to figure out when Jesus is going to return. You should not be spending time focusing on, I know he's coming back, I can figure out the date, let's just find out. We need to know. Jesus is like, no. Your divine purpose is not to figure out when I'm coming back. Your divine purpose is not to figure out when God's going to set up his kingdom, finally. Your purpose? To be my witness. This is what I've given you to do. You are to go locally and to the ends of the earth, to all humankind, and share what you have seen, what you have heard, as my witness. And they do that. In Acts 4, they are doing that, they're involved in that, they are sharing their faith, they are being witnesses. And what happens? They get in trouble. They get in trouble with the religious leaders. They bring them in, they arrest them. And they tell them, you need to stop doing this. Stop teaching. Stop speaking about Jesus. If you stop, we will let you go. We'll leave you alone. But what does John and Peter say? Well, in chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, they answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you 
rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They're super clear. We are compelled to be witnesses. There's no way we're stopping. You can decide if you think it's wrong, but we know what's right. We are compelled to go and share what we have seen, what we have heard, and we're going to keep doing it. And of course, religious leaders have no idea what they're going to do about that. What about us? We are in the same category as them. Think back to their calling. They're called to go and make disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We're all called to go. We're all called to go make disciples. We're all called to teach about what Jesus has taught. To be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Ephesians 2.10 says there's something special about you, believer. If you trust in Jesus Christ, there's something special about you. As a new creation, it says you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Like John the Baptist, you were created for a purpose. Now, unlike John, obviously he had the Holy Spirit from his physical conception. But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ that he came to earth, sacrificed himself for you, dying on the cross for all our sins, if you trust in the saving work of Jesus, he says you are a new creation. That is your spiritual birth. And guess what? You, at that moment, have the same Holy Spirit. That same Spirit is in you, guiding you, strengthening you, just like it did for John the Baptist. It's no different. He's a human being, just like you and me. Strengthened and empowered by the Spirit. So just like him, we are called. We are God's workmanship, created for a purpose. And that purpose is to be his witnesses, among other things. What good works has God called us to do? To be his witness. First Peter, Peter makes it so clear in chapter 2. He says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. You are his treasure. That you may do what? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not his people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. We were called and are called to proclaim his excellencies, to share about Jesus. And I know fear steps in. What if I do it wrong? Let me tell you, you share what you know about Jesus. You share what God has done in your life. People can't talk against that. That's your testimony about how God has changed you. They may reject what you're saying, but guess what? You're doing what God has called you to do to love them, to share with them, and to allow God to change the hearts. That's not our place. Our place is to be the witness. God's place is to provide the increase. So lesson one, who was created by God to be his witnesses? The answer, we who are Christians are created by God to be his witness. So the question is, what does a witness do? If we are created by God to be his witnesses, all of us who believe in Jesus as a new creation, that is your purpose, your divine purpose, what do you do? How do you do it? Who do you have to share with 
or should share with. We'll go back to John the Baptist. In verse 7, it says, He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. We know the light is Jesus. John came as a witness or to give testimony. This is courtroom language here. So think about a courtroom. You go into the courtroom, you go up there, and you sit down, and you are called to be a witness. Now, as a witness, you're not there promoting yourself. You're not there saying about how great you are. You're there to do two things. Talk about what you saw or what you heard. First-hand knowledge only. And that's it. Then with the facts. Once you bear witness, give witness, you're dismissed. And the point of your witness is to share about and help the case of whoever's asking the questions. You're supposed to be promoting, pointing them to something. It's not about you. It's about the case. And so for John, he was sent by God to provide testimony about Jesus. And he was designed and set aside for one purpose, to prepare the way, as we just talked about, prepare the way of the Lord. Jesus is coming. What I love about John, it's not about him. A lot of people started thinking very highly of John. People before had come and claimed to be the Messiahs and failed. But news was spreading about John's ministry, and people were starting to think, wow, could he be the Messiah? Could he be Elijah? Could he be a prophet? And so they go and ask him. If you look in your Bibles in chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, look at what they say about the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask, who are you? He confessed. And he did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. John is so clear. It is not about me. The illustration is like a sign, right? You can talk about road signs. They're pointing to a destination, a city. For me, especially if you walk around this building, I have signs I put up. Children's church, this way, right? You go down the hallway there. When we have a children's church, it'll have a sign that says, go down the hall. It's this way. Follow the signs. You'll get there. But the sign isn't the destination. You don't go to the children's church sign that says, go right, and then sit down and wait for children's church to happen. Because the kids will know it'll never happen there. That's not the destination. The goal is you go to the sign, and you move past it, and you never think twice about that sign. It's just pointing to something. John the Baptist was pointing to Jesus, saying, hey, repent of your sins. Trust in God. But guess what? The Lamb of God is right there. Go, follow him, listen to him. It even says in chapter 3, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. He's just a sign pointing to what's coming. We, as witnesses, are pointing to Christ. We're not the destination. We're not looking for people to follow us, to listen to us, to praise us. We're not looking for popularity. We're looking to be a light that points to Christ. You say, well, how did John do that? Well, he eventually does tell them his purpose. In verse 23, he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In verse 29, this is what he does. 
just a glimpse of his ministry, you get to see what he does. While he's there speaking, teaching, whatever it is, so the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend on him like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's what he does. John the Baptist, talking about Jesus. You don't see him bragging on himself. You don't see him saying, look at what a great follower of God I am. Everything he does is, look to Jesus. Look at who he is. God's Spirit has told me this is who he is. Listen to him. Trust him. Get to know him. And maybe you're here for the first time or watching online. You're like, I don't know anything about this idea of Lamb of God. Why would someone be a Lamb of God? Why would they come and sacrifice themselves? Jesus came because of the love of God. See, we as people, if you have a standard for yourself, you say, yeah, this is probably a good person up here, doing all these good things, being nice, being kind, being loving, being a good neighbor. But if we're all honest, we don't meet up to our own standards. We're not as good as we know we should be or could be. And then God's standard is perfection. Nobody, except for Jesus, meets up to that standard. We are all imperfect people who have done wrong, who have disobeyed God. We're guilty of what's called sin, which is disobedience to God. What we deserve is to be forever separated from God for all eternity. But remember, God loves us. Out of his love for us, he sent his son Jesus. Jesus did what we couldn't. He came and he died on the cross for us, for you. He died so that you could be forgiven of your sin and have life. He was buried and he rose again, proving victory over sin and death. And he offers to each one of us the free gift of salvation, that you can be a part of his family, his kingdom. It's that exchange. He takes your sin, he gives you his righteousness. It's not something we work for, it's not something we earn, it's something he freely gives out of love for us. May we trust in him as our Savior and as our Lord. So when, he, when John says, Lamb of God, he's talking about the one who's going to come to be the perfect sacrifice. John was an eyewitness. Through his actions and through his words, you were able to see and hear. His focus was always on being a light for Jesus, pointing to Jesus all the way to his death. He was created by God for God's purpose, and that was to be a witness. When you read the story of his life, you say, yep, he did it. He was clearly God's witness. Well, what about us? When we look at the story of your life, do we see a man or a woman who's, or even child, who's been committed to pointing people to Jesus? Or we see that, yeah, God was part of their life. 
but really they were focused on this. May that not be so. Our divine purpose is not this. It's Jesus. To be his witnesses. To share that hope. Jesus even says this about John in John 5. He says, he was a burning and shining lamp. He was the lamp that shone the light of God, pointing people to God. We are called to be God's light, shining to the world. Matthew five sixteen. let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works. Remember the good works God prepared beforehand. Your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Once again, that sign, right? You're the sign pointing to Jesus. May they see the good that you're doing. May they hear your testimony and not say, wow, you're an amazing person. May they hear that and say, wow, you know an amazing God. Amen, that he did that in your life, that he was with you, especially when you talk about suffering, being able to share testimony about how God was with you through suffering. What a testimony that people respond to. And they give glory to God for it. So as we think about this idea of being a witness, there is a place for direct proclamation. We talk about like, you know, preaching or talking to complete strangers. There is value to that. Don't get me wrong. But there is increasingly greater value, as we've seen, through relational evangelism. Getting to know people getting to spend time with them so they can hear you and trust you. Then they're open to hearing from you. You talk to a complete stranger, they're like, I don't know you. Why would I want to hear from you? Why would I want to hear what you believe? When you build a relationship with somebody, then they're open to listening. It's an opportunity to share. And they've seen in your life the example that, yep, this person is truly a light. They're not speaking one thing and living another. This is truly someone who's different, a new creation. But it's hard. Maybe you say, like, I know how to have friends. I know I can talk to my coworkers about everything under the sun, but it's hard to talk about my faith. It's hard to be a witness for Jesus. Let me encourage you. Next week, we have a class. Relational evangelism starting at 9 o'clock. Pastor Mark is going to be leading this class. It's an opportunity to grow in our faith, grow in our confidence as we share our faith. We are called to do it. God's Spirit is empowering you to do it, giving you strength to do it. Don't be afraid. Lesson two. Our words and actions should bear witness of Jesus. May people not look at me and only see me. May they look and hear what I'm saying and see that I'm a sign pointing to him. And may that lead to them giving glory to the Father. So thirdly, the last question I want to talk about is, what is the goal of being a witness? What is the purpose? Well, back in John 1, verses 7 and 8, it said this, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. See, John the Baptist's goal was to be a witness in order that all might believe. John was not limiting his audience of his testimony. He was not picking and choosing who I'm willing to share with. 
Knowing the religious leaders, yet they're so focused on themselves, they'll never listen. There's no point of even talking to them. He doesn't do that. He goes and he shares whomever God calls him to share with. No limit. John was being a witness, knowing that God's desire is for all to believe. Go back to John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, and the world here is all humankind. For God loved all humankind, what's he do? That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's God's desire. For God did not send his son into the world, to all humankind, to condemn them, but in order that the world, all humankind, may be saved through him. When the Bible says that, it's talking about all. All means all. Jesus came because God loves the world. Jesus died for the sins of the world. God's grace has been made available to the world, so it makes sense that God's witnesses are to all the world. We also need to understand that, yes, God has called us to not limit the audience, but recognize not everyone will listen. Not everyone will say, yes, sign me up. I believe this just like you do. They can be antagonistic. They can be mean, unkind, reject you before you even start speaking. And guess what? That's okay. We need to learn to be okay with that. But don't make that an opportunity to say, see, I shouldn't have done it. We should still trust God is using us for his glorious purpose. To be his witnesses to the world. Think back. Through scripture, John the Baptist was rejected and ignored by many. Jesus, throughout his earthly ministry, was rejected by many. In the book of Acts, Paul traveled from town to town as a witness for God, and there were clusters of people everywhere who rejected him and even tried to kill him. But did he stop being God's witness? No. He kept going where God led. And that's also important to understand. God's witnesses followed God's direction for where and when to witness. Think back again to Paul's life. There was a lot of places that he would love to have gone. But God's Spirit directed him somewhere else, and he followed God, obviously. What about us? Remember what I said at the beginning. Me, personally, I've struggled with this. I've struggled with seeing myself, seeing too little of myself, thinking I can't do things. I'm unworthy. I can't do it. Someone else should go. But we should not be afraid. We are called by God to be his witnesses. The same spirit who guided and equipped John and all the apostles and everyone in history previously as a witness for him is in us, is guiding us, is strengthening us, is sustaining us. You and I are his same workmanship created in him for his good works. And it says, which God prepared beforehand, which we should walk in them. The phrase prepared beforehand has the idea that good works, God's plan for us, has always been prepared, planned, and made ready. God has set it up. He's asking you by faith to walk with him in it. 
Our responsibility is to be a witness to whoever and wherever God leads. That is what God is calling us to. This will not be everyone everywhere, but it will be somewhere and it will be with someone. You do not need to sit back and wait for God to put you in the game. But instead, as you go, as you live your life, as you walk day by day, live a life as a witness. May your actions and words bear witness of Christ. As God provides opportunity to speak, what should you do? Speak. When God provides opportunities to love, to share his unconditional sacrificial love, what should you do? Love. Exactly. Church, we can grow in this, but I want to encourage you. The passage we're talking this past week, and we truly believe you all are being amazing witnesses in our community and around the world. We have seen, even from CCC this past weekend, the Christmas community celebration, so many people we saw we didn't recognize. And they would tell us, we were a guest of so-and-so, who was a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor. They invited us here. We got to experience the live nativity. They got it to have seeds planted, more witness happening in their lives. Because you were a witness. Because you have been a witness in their lives. Building the relationships and sharing God's truth. Thank you for doing that. We also see it in small groups. What an opportunity to be a witness. Not everyone in your small group is a Christian. But even when they are, you get to bear witness about what God is doing in your life, and that encourages others. It encourages them to continue to walk by faith. When they see you are walking by faith because of God, and seeing where God has sustained you, has helped you, has guided you, you get to stir one one another up. Encourage one another. What a beauty that you see in that community, a small group. And there's lots and lots of ministries at Grace where you all have been doing this. But the ones that always pop up in my mind, Awana, U-Turn, 24-7, Sunday school classes. It's where so many of you have volunteered your time, not to childcare. You volunteer your time to be a witness, to be a light in their lives. Sharing God's truth, but also showing it through your actions, through your love of them, playing with them, having fun with them. Why would you do that? Because God loves you and you want to share that with them. Children that are here, understand that. They're sharing God's love with you because they care about you and they want you to believe in a Savior who loves you unconditionally and wants you to be a part of his family for all eternity. What a beauty to be a witness, which is why it's not shocking to me when I hear Peter and John say, we are compelled. We have to share what we've seen and what we've heard. We can't stop. May we feel the same way. We can't stop. We have to share. We have to be a light, a witness, because God is amazing. And it's not just for me. I want to point people to Christ. That they too may believe, they too may know and have a relationship with him. 
to be a part of his family, his kingdom, and have purpose finally in life. Oops, that's too far. Lesson three is already up there. We are to be witness, a witness for Jesus so that all might believe. Fully understanding, though, will everyone listen to us and always believe? No. And that's okay. God is doing a work. We don't know all of God's intricate plan. But we know our role in God's plan to be his witnesses. That our good works may point them to Jesus. That our testimony may point them to Jesus. You say, how can I witness? One, sharing with Scripture with them. God's Word shares a whole lot about God, doesn't it? Pointing them to Christ. What does God's Word say? First-hand information. It's from God. What does God say about Himself? Share that with them. Testimony. Testify. Share what God's doing in your life. If you are a new creation... God is doing a work in you. He is changing you. He is growing you. The fruit of the Spirit's growing in you. You are becoming more like Christ. Share that. Share what God's doing, how God has guided you, helped you, given you a new perspective on all things. Don't be afraid of being God's witness, sharing God's truth with others. Lastly, as we talk tonight, or talk today, we know that we are called to be witnesses. We know that it is our responsibility to go with our words and actions to share. May the light that we show reflect Jesus. May our words reflect that as well. But the goal, like again, I said earlier, the goal of being a witness, I think of the parable that Jesus told of the sower spreading seed. When we are called to go and to be God's witness, we're not picking and choosing the soil. We're not evaluating what's good soil, what's bad soil. Let's just throw this on the good soil. That, that seems like that person might trust. No. May we love unconditionally to all God brings in our path. May we share God's hope to all that God brings in our path and that all that God calls us to go. I know sometimes we think witnesses means if God brings them to me, okay, I'll share. No, God might be calling you to go somewhere to share. Be open to that as well. And don't be afraid of it. Wherever God leads you, he is with you. He's guiding you. He's strengthening you. He's asking you to walk by faith into the work that he has already prepared and set up. Don't be afraid. Church, I want to thank you once again for the witness you have been. My encouragement to you is to continue growing in this. This is your divine purpose. And if you're here today, you say, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about following him, trusting in him. I would encourage you. There's a lot of people here who would be willing to witness, to share their faith to you, to share God's truth, what God's been doing in their lives, to help you to understand. You may talk to any one of them, but also you can talk to the pastors afterwards. We would love to share with you the hope that we have, that we are compelled to share because it's too great to hide. The greatest gift anyone can receive is not the presence you got yesterday. It's Christ. So may we share that with one another. May we be open and more than willing and compelled to do it. Let's pray, church.
Dear God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the privilege of being known by you. You're a God who loves us and cares for us and pursues us unconditionally, unwaveringly. God, I pray that we trust in you, that we know you, and that we share you. Let us not hide you or sit idly and wait for you to return. May we go and share the good news of Jesus, going and telling it on the mountaintops, sharing it with friends and neighbors, through our words and our actions. May we not be afraid of doing that. May we not be afraid of what you've called us to do, what you've empowered us to do, what you've created us for. We are created to be your witness, witnesses to all the world. So God, may we be the sign that points to you. May they look at our good works, our actions, our words, and not see us, but see you. And God, for those that are here today who are still wrestling with this, trusting in Jesus, trusting in what he did, may they know that you love them, you are there for them, you are sustaining them, you are challenging them, that you are the only hope they have for life, eternal life for all eternity, to be with you. Jesus came to restore. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope. We're lost in darkness. So thank you, Jesus, for being willing to come to earth as flesh and provide us with life. God, I thank you for this day, and I do pray as we close now, may we just be encouraged by what we're called to do and empowered to do by your Spirit, and may we be excited and compelled to go as your witnesses, both locally and around the world. I praise things in your son's name. Amen.